and I really believe that we can make the tri-state area the global capital of women's soccer. And if you look at the early days of soccer and the genesis here in the United States, it starts here. Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, the Cusp Show, where we talk about the business of sports, media, innovation, disruption, new business, all different kinds of things. I'm Joe Favorito here in the middle of September 2023 with my co-host, Tom Richardson. Hey, Tom. Hi, Joe. How are you doing? Two weeks into the new semester. So far, so good? Rolling along. And um, hot topics. We love to talk about interesting, unique topics, obviously, but this is a hot one that pertains to a little bit to our program, definitely to one of the biggest trends and opportunities in sport today. Um, and as you know, this is actually a, a, a multiple time guest to the podcast, a member of our faculty who has yet another amazing role and maybe the biggest opportunity of her career joining us today. So Mary Wittenberg, newly minted president of Gotham FC, welcome to the Cusp Show. Well, Joe and Tom, thanks so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Mary, I've got like, I, I know we have limited time today and I've got like seven questions. So I'm, I, we're going to have to get into this quickly because there's so much to talk about. And I guess we have to start with the, the big picture of the incredible growth of women's sports. What's there's, it's a moment right now in our business, in our culture, in, in our industry. And it's fascinating to watch. And you're one of the trailblazers that got well, us going through the marathon and, and New York Roadrunners and of course there's stuff with volleyball which I want I get your opinion on because volleyball women's volleyball broke more records this week um seeming, seemingly they break records now every week so why don't you just set it up with the big picture like what's your take on on how this all is going well I hope we're well beyond a moment I think this you know, we have incredible momentum it's a clear movement now it's been decades and decades in the making it it all, you know, we stand on the shoulders of Billie Jean King and uh, the early LPGA founders and all the women in sports who've come before this moment, especially athletes who had to advocate for change and opportunity to play as well as starting to build the commercial opportunity. And so all of us today, it's now clearly we've got momentum. Um, I feel like we're flying in many ways, but I think it's really important to say how early days this is in other ways. I think we're reaching greater and greater opportunity, awareness, um, level of play on the field. And I think we're still very early days on the commercial support and realities around building um, around women's sports so that we can fully achieve equal and more pay on the field and off. So it's an incredibly exciting time. And I think about all the Columbia students, male and female, and think jump over to women's sports because you want to be on the rocket ship that's taking off. And and we've got a lot of fuel below us. And uh, it's we're just at launch stage is the way I really think about it. Let's Mary, um, what, let's what, talk for good. Okay, you go first, Joe. Go ahead. Uh, Mary, Tell you were you were at uh, League One Volleyball before this, Virgin Sport before that, uh, in the cycling space as well, which I think that was the last time we talked to you. What what's the moment that that volleyball has grabbed uh, that you saw that has now had obviously the massive engagement in Nebraska now this past week in Wisconsin, big growth in the Big Ten, uh, professional leagues coming on board, um, 
and obviously athletes eliminated. Well, and, 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 and Joe, a viewership record for this week for ESPN. Yep. yep. And so why, why now volleyball? So I, I love how we always look at things in the moment, right? And and I'm a very future-driven person, and I've learned uh, through my career in sports the importance of looking back. Volleyball is poised for extraordinary success today because it is a Title IX baby. First and foremost, when Title IX came in place, football didn't have an equivalent in the women's sports, and volleyball became it. So if you look at the huge success in the U.S. in the game of volleyball, it's it's in it's been in college to date, and that's because Nebraska and um, all the big football schools, Kansas, um, Michigan, you name it, and now all the schools, including the basketball schools like the Big East, but it really began as the counterbalance to the men's football team. So huge scholarships, um, lots of positions of. Um, on the court and that led to again more scholarships and all of that began to trickle down to youth sport and so that was part of a driver plus it's a lot of fun it's a non-contact sport you're it's most of the time you're you're all playing together it's very much um a, a sport that is exciting to a lot of girls and so the grassroots side was growing really helped by the motivation of scholarships and the chance to play when we couldn't play in college and still in a number of sports. Um, and now it's taking off as women's sports and women's soccer and women's basketball really lead and have led on breaking through and and, and showing how compelling the professional game is. So volleyball is gonna get to lead take all that grassroots youth momentum, all that college fandom, and then their peers in, in basketball and um, soccer who have helped on the pro side, and they're going to ride that wave right into the pro game and I think be hugely successful. Mary, it just occurred to me when I was reading about this week's record on ESPN, I think it was the Nebraska-Stanford game, uh, close to half a million viewership, which for anybody who knows about TV ratings, that's excellent. Um Reading the stories, like I wonder what the gender breakdown is of viewership. Do you have any data from the NWSL or stuff from your volleyball experience that that would give us an indication of of the male support, let's say, of, of these women's sports on television? It's quite strong. The male support in in volleyball right now is quite strong because it's a college audience. So you know the opportunity in soccer and especially in basketball right now, um, coming off last year's incredible. Um, Final Four in women's basketball and in volleyball is is can we prove that we can convert the the male and female college audience who's who are passionate? You're wearing your C for Columbia. People are passionate about their colleges, so there's less less of what we faced in the pro ranks in the early days where there's a division between men and women's sports. People, are, men and women, are watching men and women's college sports now. So our job is to on the pro side is to take that into into the pro single gender sports um, and leagues and, and try to convert so that we not only have amazing fandom among women, but we have really strong fandom among men too. So Gotham FC, you got a, a lot of exciting things ahead of you, uh, including finishing this season um, in a competitive uh, uh, league. Yeah. Uh, what, what's kind of your... Or, um, your remit for the first couple months out of curiosity like what are you what are you focused on right now well that's a great question because I always have to start by looking out and I really believe that we can make the tri-state area the global capital of women's soccer we sit in 
this global capital of media and financial and entertainment. And, and if you look at the early days of soccer and the genesis here in the United States, it starts here and, and you all the way back to uh, the cosmos, but it also to the youth game, you know, New Jersey's a hotbed of youth soccer. So why isn't this whole region a, a global capital of soccer? So we want to do that and lift to this whole area through our extraordinary team and players. So when you work back into where we are today, we're such early days. This is one of the first teams that were part of the NWSL and now it's, now it's a new day. It's a global game. And so we, as a global market with the most international players and coaches are uniquely positioned to now take off in a new global era of the game. And I just, to me, our words and our mantra now are all around growth and, and just taking this foundation and take it all to another level. On the, on the playing side, the plan to elevate the the performance side of the game only went in place one year ago. We were in last place. Our incredible GM, Yael Averbush, a local New Jersey star here, um, hired a new coach. And I think Juan Carlos Amaros is the best in the league and one of the best in the world. And today with our incredible players like Lynn Williams coming and Kelly O'Hara and Mitch Purse, and the list goes on and on. We just re-signed Katie Stengel from Liverpool and we have the World Cup champion, Esther Gonzalez. That's These women are all individual stars. and They're playing in a system that's all about club and team. And now um, watch us because we're in a big push to the playoffs. And I think we're going to have a great end of the season. So my job now is get people excited about that, get people to come in and experience, buy some tickets, and, and be part of this journey. And I'm especially excited to get to welcome partners, too. So there you go. So Mary, talk a little bit about Gotham being not New York, not New Jersey, but the entire region, including Connecticut. Um, not for now, but for the future, what's the message that you send to try and get people from all over to come to Red Bull Arena or you know other places where the team may be in the future? How do you, how do you rally around the things that are uniquely Gotham and kind of build that out over time. Yeah, it's all our, one of our biggest advantages are our players, our staff and team and, and our region is, is number one is come be part of this. This is your team. And there's going to be an amazing sense of pride that one can get by building this. Our, I see no reason we aren't the largest fan base in women's soccer someday and well beyond women's soccer, because we got them greatest population. We've got incredible passion around the game. We have so many cultures and nationalities here where, where, where soccer people really resonate with it and understand it all while we're introducing it to new audiences. So we should have that. Our attendance is not at all uh, near the top. We have a long way to go in attendance. So come be part of that. Come to the matches, make it, you know, it's, I think of us as a platform, you know, come bring your friends. This is a place you can gather with family and friends and colleagues and and in all kinds of ways, whether they're soccer soccer buddies, your after work buddies, your 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 extended family, you can come and have an amazing time watching extraordinary athletes in one of the greatest facilities for soccer in the nation and, and beyond. So come be part of building with us in Will be sold out before you know it and you can be really proud that you're you're wearing your gotham gear and you were you're part of the early days of growing this 
Mary, what, I, I read the press release about your appointment last month, and you made a comment that that I thought was quite interesting. Uh, you're talking about what you intend to do, and one of the quotes was to welcome quote vision aligned brands that want to grow with us. I I, I thought that was quite interesting because the idea of finding partners beyond the obvious transactional aspect of the uh, of the benefit uh, uh, exchange is really seems like a very major issue right now in the sponsorship business as it relates to sports. Can you expound on that a little bit? How, how you see that playing out as you get more uh, deeper into the job? Yeah, I think this is so important. I just said, I think we can be the largest fan base. We're also not for everybody. We really stand for something and we stand for empowering these women. We stand for diversity and inclusion. We stand for being deeply rooted in our community. And so finding partners that align with our values and wanna be part of that is, is very important. I see it as a huge opportunity because, and I'm in the middle of this right now, we actually have a very rare chance to bring in what I think of our foundational growth partners, because it's a circle of some of the greatest partners that fit with our vision. And really we should be the most popular women's team and very top of the list of the most popular pro sport teams in this whole area. And these partners can help us do that and know they're helping stand for quality and equity and, and, and making a difference while uh, celebrating uh, incredible excellence in every way. Actually, a follow-up question on that, Joe, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. um, Mary, the other two constituencies that seem to have now revealed their intentions in women's sports are the uh, is the, the media business mm -hmm. and the investor business. So truly, really, let's start with the investors because Gotham has some, some eye-popping names in its investor list, uh, including uh, Kevin Durant and Sue Bird, Carly Lloyd, even Eli Manning. Um, and then on the uh, media side, obviously with the way the media business is unfolding, quite fraught right now, and the success that we've witnessed in media for sports like WNBA, for college basketball, women's college basketball, for softball, for et cetera. It's kind of like the stars are aligning. Could you address each of those categories too? Yes. And I first, Eli will be there at our match tomorrow night. So 7.30 PM, you can still get tickets nice. against Washington Spirit. Maybe you have to start doing the Manning cast for your games. I, yes. We need a Manning cast. I hope I'm not uh, dating when this podcast runs. But That's okay. we'll yeah. try to get them to the 10-1 game and the 10-15 game as well. Yeah. First, when I think of all these key key um, groups, investors, media, partners, I, I always step back and think of what are our pillars and how do they fit in? Our pillars are to be the best in football, the best in business, really lead fan love. Like everything to us is about fan love, the fan experience. How do we, how do we go deeper there? And then brand love, the kind of impact we want to have in the community. We want to be a place where players and team um, staff really want to work and that people want to be part of. So when we look at what do we need from and want from investors, media and partners, we think, how do we, how do we um, elevate efforts against those pillars? And I'll tell you, there's no shortage of investors. Regularly, people reach out and want to invest. I, I was stunned how many calls I got from people saying, hey, is there a chance to invest in Gotham FC? 
So that's great to have that pipeline of interest because this is a game of investment. This is a game of really building for the future and bringing in strategic investors that fit with where we want to go. Um, and when I think of media, it's very interesting. We're very excited to wait to hear soon about the new media deal at the NWSL. I have huge confidence in our commissioner, Jessica Berman. I know this is going to be a noteworthy deal, and I know it's going to be noteworthy both in reach and, and, and revenue. I also know it's going to be noteworthy in production and the ability to have more cameras on the pitch and, and bring to life these extraordinary game and these players. So media on the national level is really important. And then locally, I think we're scratching the surface. This is the media capital of the world. And so for us to engage with our with so much of the local media here and think about how do we bring a uniquely Gotham um, lens to coverage here. And also we want to create Gotham TV. You know, we really want to build out the content side of our organization. And that's a great chance to partner both from distribution and maybe even creation of content with local partners in our market. So you can see how all these people can feed in and we get to kind of actually almost stand back and say who fits us best because there's a great amount of interest in being part of this uh, rocket ship that's taking off. Mary, uh, you are a runner. Uh, obviously you've been literally running for a long time and you've on the business side, you've run with some, some pretty big dogs, you know, be that, Michael Bloomberg, or be that uh, Richard Branson, um, some of the other places that you've been. Looking back to where you are now, what are some of the lessons that you've learned from those big dogs that you brought to this and this opportunity that you have now? Um, so many. First, they're all, you know, they're all people. Mm -hmm. And just like any other people, especially in our business, I feel like we are extraordinarily lucky to appreciate the importance of everybody volunteers at, at, at the base of a, you know, an amazing effort to put on extraordinary events and, and games and matches. Um, so I, I actually would say I've learned a lot across the board from all kinds of people, um, from some of the higher profile people I've worked with, um, over the years, I would say there's some consistent elements thinking about this, certainly growth, certainly innovative, certainly bravery, um, certainly have a very clear vision and don't be dissuaded by many others who might not buy in, you know, knowing that you might see something and be able to paint a picture of a future um, that not everybody can see yet. Like I truly see our name as the name that rolls off the lips, list, lips of soccer fans around the world in the top two names, men or female, men or women's sports. Um, uh, you know, I really see us inspiring and being a North Star for girls and boys throughout this region who grew up believing not only can they play soccer, but they can do all things in life that they didn't realize they could transcend maybe barriers around them. Um, you know, I see, uh, just so much through, you know, these stars becoming iconic stars, just like the biggest uh, male stars in the world, but beyond and different and, and paid as well, um, but also appreciated in all kinds of ways. So I think the biggest thing is when you see something, just go for it. And, and there's always gonna be people who don't believe or wanna do it the way it was done before, or say, that's not what we do, you know, in this sport, or that's not what the men do. And I just think what I've learned from a lot of the high profile leaders is don't, don't let that slow you down or, or dissuade you learn along the way, listen, I think that's super important, but when you see something powerful, um, keep, keep, 
keep keep going after it and rally with your team for something you all might believe before others see it. I would love to get your your thoughts about teaching. So you started January of 22, a year and a half ago. Um, what do you think so far? Oh my gosh, it's a gift to get to teach these extraordinary students. Um, what I love about our Columbia program is it's incredibly international. Uh, I've learned a lot as a teacher. I've been lucky to live leadership from early days, you know, being the oldest of seven kids and and a lot of what I did early in life, I was often the youngest, but put in leadership positions, whether it was a coxswain for a men's crew team or the only woman, a woman on a men's running team or the first woman partner in a corporate transactional deal making setting leaderships. And part of what I've done and the chance to actually study leadership and share it as a discipline and uh, not only a way of thinking and living, but a way of learning with students was uh, a huge opportunity. And I'll, I can add more, like it, it's hard, like getting ready. I had a great first semester. I actually right. I think last semester was a little bit harder because I actually tried to do more. So it's like this constant balance of what's the right amount. And I think year three gets a lot easier, luckily, because got a lot going on. Um, but I, you know, it's fun to bring the real world experience into the classroom. I think if I, as a student, uh, I almost became a tax lawyer, believe it or not, uh, because our tax professor was in the real world. And I found I got the most out of the professors. There's so many great professors, but I got a lot out of professors who were actively out um, in, in, in the real world too. And I think that's a big advantage our students get a good dose of that in, in all the classes. Nice. Um, uh, Joe, you can take the last question. I just want to do one quick follow-up uh, or mm -hmm. point, Mary, like when people ask, well, how, how, what's the commitment to teaching? And you say, oh, it's one, one day a week, an hour 50. And everybody's like, well, that's not that hard. <laughs> it's, it is uh, you don't so understand. Much. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell right. you why, um, why it's a lot. I look at, our students, whether it's a class of 18 to 24, as, as though they're employees, and I really want them to develop. So it's really tricky. So the, the first year it is really about setting the curriculum and getting the core elements that you want to make sure to cover. Um, the second year, I think I overdid it, but I went really deep into scoring papers and the like, because I want to make sure they can go out and and write in a professional setting, which is different than an academic setting. And mm -hmm. I wanna make sure they know the importance of clear and insightful thinking um, and presenting to others. So you could spend in a, you could spend many, many, many hours a week. Uh, but I think it's, I think probably best for the student is somewhere in between because these are motivated, smart people. And I think actually they can, they can figure out the, the work side and in their writing and the like probably pretty much themselves and, and to focus on the major content is, is my takeaway, but you could spend a lot of time and it's great time to spend because these are incredible young people that we want to help be extraordinary um, in the work world. Uh, last question, Mary, from the soccer universe. <clears throat> you talked about women's soccer and obviously the growth of the NWSL um, in the, the kind of the landscape of New York. Um, tell us like the way you would position it or the way you've been positioning it for fan, people who say, I'm a baseball fan, or I'm an NBA fan, or I'm a fan of the Red Bulls or NYCFC. Uh, how does that cooperative growth 
come together and what's been your experience so far in terms of acceptance or interest from the professional sports landscape, which obviously Gotham really has to fit into as best as possible. You know, this is a city and region that, you know, if you can make it here, you make it anywhere. And so we like to win. We like to be proud of our efforts and our unique way of doing things. So I feel like every fan and, and not only New York City, but all of New York and, and New Jersey and the tri-state region, like this is your team and you have such a chance to be excited and super proud of it. And um, we are unique. Um, like the Liberty ourselves, first, we are the two headed to the playoffs, right? We're, we're almost there, but they're there, um, which everyone can be really proud of. But we can work with all these teams. We're not we are the women's team to the Red Bulls in soccer and NYCFC in soccer. We want to work with both and both, both groups of executives have been incredibly welcoming to my joining. Um, and of course they're both playing again tomorrow. And then it leads to our game at night um, as they play each other. So it's a super soccer Saturday here in, in, wow. in the region. Um, but same with the Giants. We had Lynn Williams um, at the Giants game, one of our World Cup stars and Gotham stars and one of the high scorers in the league on Sunday night. And that was a great opportunity. We had Kelly O'Hara and um, our creative director, former player Ashlyn Harris at the US Open. We've all, we took the whole team to the Liberty game and we're super excited to host the Liberty, hopefully as champions. Um, uh, at one of our late matches because they're doing so well. So we we see the chance to partner with all the sports teams here. And we're all working together too across the whole area, for example, on some community efforts not yet announced. But mm -hmm. uh, we're unique in this area to have all these incredible teams. And we want our team to be the the, the team to the men's teams too. Just one more note on that that I'd love you to mention is talk about the one thing that did happen already, which was the first ever collaborative effort between the NWSL and the WNBA. We are just huge fans of the Liberty. Um, lucky to share some colors. Lucky to share great respect for their players. And both groups of players are amazing. Kia Clark's the president there. We think really highly of our ownership groups believe in each other. So we kind of have it a, a strong amount of alignment. And then CarMax, who's I think one of the best brands out there in supporting women's sports and so great to work with. And they really supported us in doing the first collab of a t-shirt together that um, is probably in the wash because I wear it all the time, so I can't pull it up. Uh, but we did a collab shirt that was super cool to do. And we look forward to doing a lot more with the New York Liberty and are cheering for them. Cool. Tom, you want to wrap us up? Well, I think we're, Joe, do you want to stay on for a few more minutes after Mary yeah, goes? We'll okay. Yeah. Mary, thank you. We know you've got a lot going on. We appreciate you giving us a half an hour and we wish you luck the rest of the way. Well, for both this season and then the longer term, and hope you can bring that vision to life the next few years. It's such an exciting story. Thank you. I think we're hosting our Columbia um, Sport Management students, I think 1015. And we also have a discount code given to that group to share to anyone at Columbia to, to get. To oh, nice. Okay. Games. So uh, the ones after tomorrow, 10-1 and 10-15 and the playoff game, which remains to be, to be awesome. set. But, uh, All right. Well, maybe our producer, Pablo, who's, who's uh, listening right now can uh, include that in the notes. Yes. Yep. Great. I'll, okay. I'll forward you the info. Great. Oh, that's fantastic. So well, good luck you. with everything. Thank you. Very exciting times okay. here. Bye-bye. All right. All right. So now let's go back.
and we could do the ending and we could we could even do the beginning again there so. <laughs> well joe first of all mary's amazing she's a force of nature and i her for those who know her know that it's um it's kind of this infectious enthusiasm about making progress you know getting moving things ahead it's just it, she's really so impressive and um i can't wait to see what happens with that such an exciting time for the business overall that aspect of the business overall but there was another exciting moment earlier this week in new jersey and you were there in person so let's oh. why don't you share your experience from going to metlife stadium to see the jets monday night football game that ended up being kind of a big deal in our country in our world of sports yeah i mean it was it was great to be there um you know, having been around the Jets for a while, very excited for everyone who was there. Obviously, the you know, the football world, you know, Roger Goodell was there. Everybody showed up. It was arguably, well, it was obviously the largest audience for ESPN Monday Night Football. So, the you know, the world was watching. Um, the celebrities showed up. It reminded me a little bit of like the U.S. Open or a Knicks game where, you know, mm -hmm. Edie Falcos and the Gandolfinis of the world were all kind of standing around waiting for something to happen. And obviously what happened early on was not what everybody wanted to happen, but the way it ended up was, was quite amazing. But, you know, just having watched and, be, and been close to the sidelines, just kind of watching the way Robert Sala works and what Aaron Rodgers did before the game. And then, you know, having been more than close enough to see kind of coming off the field and what that was like and how immediately when he got on the cart, it was like someone took a bubble and just popped the top of the air on, on top of MetLife Stadium. Uh, and and credit to obviously to the players and to everyone. And by the way, the game presentation the Jets did with these flashing lights that were going off at various times that everybody had on their wrists, I think really helped bring people back. As the game oh my god, going. absolutely! I mean, it's yeah. interesting. I spoke to our friend Seth Rabinowitz this week, and some of you know that Seth was a uh, a longtime Jets employee uh, executive, and um, when I said, "So, what do you think of Monday night?" He goes, "Well, it was probably the second best moment." The beginning was the second best moment in Jets franchise history after, of course, Super Bowl three. And that image on television, which you probably saw on the Jumbotron, because you were you know, obviously there near in the field, was so spectacular in TV when Roger when they showed that the, the blacked out stadium with the LED lights. And then Rogers comes out carrying the flag. And the, mm -hmm. I've never seen such an electric crowd at a Jets game. And that moment, those couple of minutes were really quite spectacular, really good television. I'm sure it was just an unforgettable experience for everybody in person. Little did we know that within, what, 20 minutes, right, uh, there would be sports tragedy uh, with the injury, of course. But that's the way things go. And, yep. um, and, and it's kind of a, a really impressive thing that the Jets figured a way to rally and win the game. And also, you know, not to be lost, that it was September 11th, which really kind of rallied everything together. It was... Right. You know, and there was pouring rain beforehand. I mean, it was like a little bit of everything that could have happened. Yeah, there was a Jim rainbow over the stadium. I, I saw the picture, the picture of the rainbow. Was a rainbow just off to the left of the stadium. <laughs> right. um, but, you know, even like Jake Paul is on the sideline, like trying to shadow box with, with Zach Wilson before the game. It was just, it was one of those great New York moments. And, and although it was dampened, I don't think it was, it died at the end of it because of the way everything kind of played out. And who knows where it goes. By the time people will be listening to this, the Jets will have played the Cowboys. You know, there may be another hero, but 
Um, I give a lot of credit to the Jets in their presentation because they never kind of let go of right. what was going on and they kept the right. vibe going. And I think that lifted the players as they got further along into the game. And it was great television for everyone. It's no secret. That's what the NFL is about. It's about coming back and heroes and villains and all gas, no break. Um, although, you know, obviously not having Aaron Rodgers for all those primetime games will probably diminish, but who knows the jets rally and they've got all. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, Joe, what, what, what yeah. should the networks do right now? So one of the most notable Scheduling well, uh, announcements of the year was yeah. Amazon Prime, which is going to be doing the first ever Black Friday game the day after yeah. Thanksgiving, scheduled the Jets well, versus the Dolphins. Um, there's talk about flexing some of these games out because I think the Jets were that's not one that's not one that can be flexed because there's no other oh, okay. game on that day. Yeah. So okay. The flex games. Oh, well, yeah, what am I saying? Of course. Yeah. yeah. The the the, uh, the flex games only start after week five. Um, which I, I believe the week five game is ironically the Sunday night game against uh, Kansas city. But, um, but I, you know, I think, I think we're going to wait and see. I mean, there's lots of heroes and villains and who knows, there were so many people that were inspired by what happened on Monday night that could lead to, you know, a glass being half full and even more so for the jets going forward because of all their young stars. So um, who knows? We'll see. But what an amazing, when you think about going from, Coco Goff on Saturday night to Djokovic on Sunday to the well, we won't talk about the Giants on on Sunday night, but <laughs> but even like a Just great that you know, amazing night to the Jets on Monday night. Um, what a great like seventy two hours in New York to be a fan, uh, and you know, and we'll see where it goes going forward. And you know, you've got basketball and hockey starting soon, and as you know, our guest uh, today, Mary Wittenberg, has talked about before. You've got Gotham FC going to the playoffs. You've got the New York Derby between the uh, the Red Bulls and NYCFC. Um, so it's it may not be the best when you take baseball and the lack of championships into it, but it's it's a great time if you want to be a brand, if you want to be a fan involved in sports, just to be around and kind of experience all this stuff. Yeah, no, it's it's quite a far. I mean, so interestingly, you know, with the emotion. The, the emotional um, stretch that we saw from the U.S. Open, as you said, Coco won, what, Saturday night, right? Mm -hmm. Saturday night. Um, that was just an incredible sports moment. The, her reaction and how the crowd was so supportive and everything. And then Giants having a horrible debut on Sunday. So we go from this high of Saturday night, mm -hmm. Giants low on Sunday, and then this uh high on monday night before the injury back to a low and then kind of like rebounding to another high uh i mean by the end of the uh, by the end of the long weekend count monday is the uh, monday night football is the end of it. it it was kind of exhausting like i think i'm it gonna just go to netflix for a while and watch something different than other than right. live sports because it really plays with your emotions yeah, it was it, uh mostly in a good way but still it, it it's kind of intense and but by the way joe we should add because we talked about it last time what a coincidence that disney and charter resolved their dispute just ahead of monday night football showing you once again the importance of the nfl in the live I, tv universe it's amazing how um it continues to play out, especially given the writer's strike, which is still going on here in the middle of September. Um, the value of live sports, because it's the only thing there is no there's nothing else right now. And 
uh, I would imagine the migration away from from cable picked up greatly once they got closer to Monday night. And I think, frankly, it, it will continue to do. And, you know, whatever these companies choose to do, whether they're, you know, more streaming companies and wireless and Internet companies versus broadcast companies, that's going to continue to play out. And who knows, by the time some people listen to this, they'll say, what was the CSPN thing? What did they do? Who are they owned by now? Um, right. But it's it's a really interesting position to be in the media business. And by the way, Tom, um, for those who are listening to this in September of 2023, on October 6th, you'll be able to hear lots of things about the media business when uh, we do our conference. Hopefully, many people will. Be yes. There. Yeah. What can 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 you talk about any of uh, any of the names yet uh, publicly? Since this will appear next week, this part for, for the conference. Yeah. Uh, well, obviously, Don Garber, MLS commissioner, will be there. Mm -hmm. um, our guest today, Mary Wittenberg, will be on a panel. Um, Which will include Mike our last Tolan. week's guest, by the way, Katie Donovan. Katie Correct. Donovan, our last week's yeah. guest. Uh, Mike Tolan, who many people will know as the producer of The Last Dance mm -hmm. um, and just completed Slam Ball, will be there. Um, Keith Dawkins, who's the CEO, really created the vision for Nickelodeon Sports. And is now the CEO of the Holland Globetrotters is going to be one of the speakers, um, you know. So it's and I know you've got some people lined up. It's going to be um, a great day of really eclectic talk, and I think maybe even some news, but also amazing networking for anybody who wants to come up on the Friday before Columbus Day weekend. Yeah, Joe. I also um, yeah, that's great. And for for everybody listening, if you're interested, it's convenient. It's on the Columbia campus in the Upper West Side. Tickets are very modestly priced. And in my opinion, I've mentioned this before, but I, I love the fact that it's a one day affair. It's actually a seven hour affair, nine to four, which I think is perfect. And uh, we encourage you to check it out. And and if you come, come say hello to me and Joe. Cool. Uh, what else? Anything else you want to mention? No, I think that's good. Yeah. All right. So once again, you've been listening to The Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast. Our guest today was the president of Gotham FC and one of our faculty members, Mary Wittenberg, uh, who will be, as we've mentioned before, at our conference on October the 6th on campus at Columbia. If uh, We'd love to have you join us. Once again, I'm Joe Favorito for my co-host, Tom Richardson. Thanks for listening, and we will see you down the road.